You're listening to Family Feud, part of the Paris Style Podcast family. They might not be brother and sister, but they sure do fight like they are. Here's your hosts, Keely Yor and Shotgun Spratling. Welcome to another episode of the Family Feud Podcast. I'm your host, Keely Yor, joined by Shotgun Spratling and cousin of the pod, Chris Trevino. We have a good show for you guys today. We're going to put the halfway mark of USC's 2021 fall camp. We've seen nine practices of the Trojans, so we'll give you our thoughts and our takes. We'll also talk about Saturday's scrimmage in the Coliseum and what we took away from that. We've also heard from Clay Helton, and we've got some personnel updates. He also previewed this upcoming week as the most physical week for the Trojans in August. They're going to practice in full pads for four days and have another scrimmage in the Coliseum on Saturday, so we'll share our expectations for that. As always, if you have any comments or questions for the pod, do send us an email at familyfeudpod at gmail.com. You can also look out for a tweet from Shotgun Spratling. Right now we're recording on Tuesdays because of fall camp, but we'll probably get back to our regular Thursday schedule as the season rolls around. But guys, like I said, we've seen nine practices. Shotgun, I know you and I were talking specifically during Monday's practice that we actually thought Monday had a better feel to it than USC's Saturday scrimmage in the Coliseum. Yeah, definitely. I think that you just saw more energy there, and I'd like to get Chris's thoughts on this and what he thought it was different as well. But uh, I thought that you know they went through Saturday's practice; it was a little bit lackluster, and they decided, you know what, let's come back and let's have a bunch of team periods once again. Let's try to make up for Saturday. And they took out the seven on seven. Clay Helton said that they eliminated some of those things. They wanted to see those young quarterbacks and Keaton Slovis in some more live action situations rather than one on ones or seven on seven where there's not a true pass rush coming at them. So they wanted to, to see them with the pass rush in their face. And that's what's going to happen, uh, especially until they get that offensive line settled, is figuring out, you know, can you make quick decisions rather than just, okay, well, one-on-ones or seven-on-seven, I got plenty of time to to figure out where I'm going to go with the ball. If I don't like this option or that option, I can go to the next one. That's not going to be the case, especially right now, like I said, with the offensive line still unsettled. Until they get that uh, consistency and cohesion there with the offensive line, and I think that maybe even the first couple of games you may see that they're going to be under a little bit more pressure, and maybe the offensive line gets better and better as the season progresses. That would be ideal for USC. But uh, I think that, that was the biggest thing. They said, yeah, Saturday wasn't great. Let's go back at it. Let's go do it. And I think that's a, that's a, a positive development. You know, we saw some di- we've seen some different drills and stuff, but realizing. That wasn't a great practice. We need to do something to change it instead of going, let's just get back to the regular routine and keep yeah. going. So I think that was a positive development, what we saw on Monday, them bouncing back from a lackluster scrimmage in the Coliseum where it just didn't feel like it had the vibe, the energy of the setting, I think, is the way you described yeah, it. Yeah, it didn't match the environment that yeah. they were in. It just felt like kind of lackadaisical for being in the full Coliseum for the first time. Honestly, it felt like first time in the Coliseum in the spring like hey we'll bring some energy and then you get not like hey we got three weeks before there's a game and there's gonna be fans here in attendance and it just felt like kind of a walkthrough scrimmage I would say I, well part of that is because we saw only a couple drives from Keen Slovis and then Drake London wasn't available and now we're questioning whether or not he's 100% healthy whether or not it was a, a rest day or a you're injured day um, but yeah, overall, it just had this weird vibe to it that it was like, this is your first scrimmage, and one of two that you're going to have, it just didn't meet the moment. Chris, I'm curious what you thought. 
I don't know if you guys were expecting this, but I was kind of expecting that maybe they would have started off started off with maybe like a Trojan drill or something just to get the energy up, set the tone a little bit. But maybe just because they were they were down on a couple of bodies, you know, running backs, defensive linemen, Drake London wasn't doing much. So I don't know if maybe that uh, played into it or they just didn't want to do it at all. I was expecting something to get the juice going, but I feel like the juice never got turned on. And just kind of what Shotgun said, Monday did feel like a direct correlation to, oh, we didn't like what was going on on Saturday. Let's change things up. Let's do something different. Let's let's keep them on their toes. That's something you wanted to see uh, uh, this fall, something they did a lot in the spring is change things up. So I think that is a positive sign. And yeah, I think Monday was a much better practice, a much energetic practice, and a little bit more even in terms of defense and offensive big plays. And we saw another switch on Monday as well, and I think it may have been that direct correlation as well as the offensive line wasn't great on Saturday. They switched it up, said, okay, Jalen McKenzie, you're on the second team now. Let's go put Jonah Monheim and Cortland Ford on the same first-team offensive line with them at both of the tackle spots. Let's see how this looks. Now we'll see how this, this week progresses um, and, and see you know, if that's something that continues throughout the week or if it's you know, a one-practice thing and then Jalen McKenzie gets thrown back in because he had a, a good day yesterday or you know, how, how they kind of go about it. But I think that is something that has been lacking in this program for multiple years now is seeing when things aren't going great, let's make an adjustment rather than saying, you know, it'll it'll course correct. You know, if we just keep the you know keep being steady, you know, and being the tortoise, then it'll course correct and we'll beat the hare. You can't do that in college football. You can't do that with eighteen to twenty two year olds. You have to come, you know, constantly be adapting things based on the feel of the team. You know, if if you realize in the middle of fall camp that the team is just really dragging right now. Give them a surprise day off or a surprise beach day or whatever. Don't plan those things out in advance. No, feel. Have a have a good feel of things. And I think that's something that's been lacking. And I think that's a very good thing for this program that we're starting to see they are willing to make some adjustments, make some adaptations on the fly rather than having to schedule everything out way in advance. Shotgun's favorite phrase is 18 to 22-year-olds. I was thinking there should be a drinking game, but then I was like, that's <laughs> too dangerous. I want to put like an ultimate like uh, mashup of how many times you said it. <laughs> you can play the It'll drinking game in section... 22G. G133. <laughs> So close though. 137. Yes. See, because I said 133 because it, it rolls out the tongue better. Yeah, it's true. It does. Something we also debated on Saturday was kind of resting the guys you knew were going to be, you know, are going to be the starters versus it's scrimmage one, get them some playing time. Now, to be fair, in the backdrop of, of the scrimmage, we found out that. Colorado's quarterback got hurt. He's out for the season now. But I'm just saying, things happen, and you want to protect your main starter. I get that. Shotgun's already like revving up to, to battle about this. But, Chris, I want to ask you first. Where do you lie in the first scrimmage? How, like, how much do you play your known starters? First scrimmage, it's like, to me, it's like preseason NFL like you don't really see you see kind of the main guys early and then they fades off and then by the end it's mainly just the backup guys you know what your starters can do you don't want to risk them getting hurt before the season and specifically I guess we're talking about Keenan Slovis and Drake London I am a hundred percent okay with them 
resting Drake London. We've seen him. He's done every practice. We've seen him have yeah. a couple of scares. Like, there's been multiple times going back to the spring where he goes down on a play and then we're like, uh-oh. And he gets up slow and then Helton has to come and take a talk with him because he goes hard every play. He's yeah. always trying to make those catches. He's going down. He's a big. He's a big dude. Bigger surface area to get hurt. So I'm okay with, you know, re, uh, raining the reins back. I, I think I said that wrong. Pulling but the reins back. Pulling the reins back a little bit on him. Taking away the helmet. Now, again, maybe he is a little banged up and that's what they're doing. But if it's like a purely rest thing, then it, I, I'm okay with it. And I guess this was a take it or leave it, take it, or leave it that I had. So we're jumping a oh, little sorry. bit into it. So Apologies. Resting Drake London wasn't a big deal. Take it. Okay, what about resting Brett Elon, resting Chris Steele, resting Keaton Slovis, who's coming off of a not very good year? It's one thing if you you could have easily given those guys a half practice, half scrimmage, and just done more plays in the scrimmage. They did somewhere around sixty plays, is what we're guessing. Um, you know, and Keaton Slovis did two drives. Brett Elon did two drives. You know, I think you give them, if you want to do it that way, and I'm okay if you give them about a half practice. I just felt like they didn't get enough work with the fact that there's only two scrimmages. This is in the NFL where there's three, four uh, scrimmages where, or three, four preseason games where your guys are going to get. And the biggest difference to me, the biggest difference, because this was brought up on the P about, oh, you know, it, you know, what does Sean McVay do? What does the NFL do? The NFL, you can lose three games to begin the season, and you're, it's okay. You can come back from that. You can go 9-7 and seven and still make it to the Super Bowl. You can't do that in college football. Every game is that much more important. You can't come out and lose to San Jose State and be like, well, you know, we can still make it to the college football playoff. We can lose a couple games up front because our guys weren't ready. No, you have to be ready from the get-go, and San Jose State is going to be a worthy opponent that is going to push USC, I think, because they're bringing back their quarterback. They're bringing back their head coach. They didn't lose a, a ton of pieces off the last season. They're bringing back a familiar face as well in Trayvon Sidney, who's transferred to San Jose State as well, former USC receiver. So... I think that with only two scrimmages, before you could have three scrimmages and maybe you work your way up a little bit more, which USC did it a little bit different in the past. They would have three scrimmages. First two, they would go harder. And the, the third one, you know, they would rest those veteran guys. And, and I was more okay with that. But the fact that you're coming off of a championship loss to Oregon on your home field, you haven't been the team that you are capable of being I think you need to get those guys out there to set the tone. And I think that's a big thing when you have all those veterans and you sit them out. I think that really sets the tone for the team, and I think that's what followed for the rest of practice was that, eh, we don't need the starters out there. So, I mean, those other guys are battling for their position, They want, but there wasn't the energy, and maybe you start with a Trojan drill or something something a little bit different just to, to, to get things going, to get the, the juices flowing instead of just kind of throwing it out there and, all right, let's go. It didn't feel like there was any juice to begin with, and that's their word. They always want to have the juice. There was no juice to begin with. On Monday, there was a ton of juice in the warm-up lines. You know, guys dancing, the coaches, you know, maybe they got to bring back some, some old-school hip-hop. And I say old-school as, you know, from my high school days, but uh, it's getting that way now, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but, you know, bring back some crime mod, knock if you buck, or whatever it takes, rather than, you know, a bunch of mumble rap and, and people aren't really dancing to <laughs> Why you're even ranting about rap right this now? This podcast yeah. is going off the rails. Yeah, too much the baby in in practice. <laughs> not enough outcast. There you wham, go. Wham wham wham. <laughs> I just felt like that there was more could be done with some of those veterans. I just don't think this team is good enough yet to be able to say the veterans will be fine. 
And I think that that led into the energy and effort that you saw the rest of the practice where it just, you know, it just didn't have that, you know, the vibe that you would expect from first scrimmage of fall camp, first opportunity in the Coliseum, especially for, for some of those young guys, those new guys that are coming in, the transfers. And there were some standout performances. Let's not say that everyone struggled. That wasn't the case. But it just didn't feel like they took their game to another level. It felt like just another practice, just another, you know, just a Saturday, you know, going and playing football. It didn't feel like they took it up another notch because they were in the Coliseum, because they were scrimmaging. It felt pretty lackluster from what it could have been. And, like I said, give them credit for bouncing back on Monday and having a much better effort, much better energy, and the coaches realizing we need to go back at this and we need to, we need to go and do more team periods. Even if it's not full tackle, which you know there was only one real team period where it was tackled to the ground, it was more – it was team periods, but it was thud. So even if that was the case, and I thought that even with that being the case, that they came back and had the, had the energy that you were looking for on Saturday, more on Monday. We'll see how they build from it the rest of the week, too. Yeah. I think the biggest argument for not only why you needed an energetic Saturday practice, but also maybe keeping Keen Slovis in longer than they did, is just the inconsistency we've seen from the offense as a whole. And we've said this on instant, but... Right now, it's kind of what we've seen from USC's offenses the past couple seasons where it's feast or famine. Shotgun, you mentioned an incident analysis. The first play of the team period on Monday was a 70-yard touchdown from Vivai Malapai. And then USC struggled to run the ball consistency consistently after that. So it's one of those things where with this offense right now, and the big caveat is that they're still trying to figure out their best five, I don't think you can trust that they will – consistently move the ball down the field right now and I obviously don't think that's a good sign at least right now yeah I think they're still trying to figure things out on the offensive side Uh, different packages different formations different things we've seen from them but also a ton of mixing and matching with that offensive line you know there's been running backs in and out because obviously Keonta Ingram who we expect to be one of those guys that's in the you know that's one or one a uh, and that starting lineup role for the running backs has been out. Darwin Barlow has been out. The wide receivers, Drake London has been the consistent. Everyone else has been up and down a little bit, you know, besides maybe John Jackson. I think he's been the most consistent receiver outside of, of Drake London. So the other guys that are vying for that number two and number three spot, we've seen some nice stuff. We've seen some, you know, some things where I keep yelling, catch the ball, you know, a lot of drop balls as well. So uh, the thing with the offense is, when are they going to find their footing and kind of move forward? And it's fine to have that at the first week of camp. It's okay to have that. But can you build on it? Can you make the adjustments? Can you make some corrections? And that's what we're looking to see from that group. Obviously, they struggled, and it's been, you know, they've done a good job, the young quarterbacks, of identifying, okay, I see some pressures coming, and Todd Orlando is going to be bringing a ton of pressures okay, how do I attack this? And finding that one-on-one matchup, and that was the the big plays that they had in the scrimmage. And, you know, can the running game, we've seen, we saw, I believe, three or four 10-plus yard runs on Saturday, but we also saw three or four tackles were lost. Can they get consistent where, you know, their bad plays are two or three yard runs? That's what you really want out out of your run game. And then you pop the 10, the 15, the 20, the 70 yard run, and suddenly your running yards, your rushing yards looks much different at the end of a game. This definitely has the makings or feel of a team where 
at least early in the season, it, it's going to be, I think the defense will be the tone setter for this, for this group. And it's going to be the one to maybe, you know, carry them through maybe, I don't know, the first four weeks up into the bye week until that offense maybe finds a little bit of the rhythm. Cause you know, for, for all we, I mean, they could have, you know, two redshirt freshmen starting at both tackle positions. They could have that working itself out through the first couple of weeks. You know, you have to get these new Clay McGuire techniques out into the open, into the real, real live fire in, in games and, and let them build it that way. And that's a weird thing to say that, you know, this defense is going to be the leader, if you will, for this team when you have a third year starting quarterback back, yeah. four returning starters on the offensive line, and then you know, some, some really good weapons, but that's how inconsistent the offense has been. So it feels, it definitely feels like defense is going to be the leader for this unit or this team going forward until it starts to gel more. That's what I said after the scrimmage on Saturday, it, at least with the defense, you can tell that there's forward momentum, if you will, like there's progress and there's growth. And we've seen it at least in these couple, not only in spring camp, but in fall camp as well. Whereas the offense I feel like it's like take a step forward, take a step back, take a step forward, take a step back. Mm -hmm. And obviously, again, there's turnover with the receiving options, still figuring out the starting five for the offensive line. I get that. But at the same time, like Chris mentioned, this should be the side of the ball where USC fans or USC is coming into the season going, we know what we want. We know what we have. It's a well-run machine. And let's figure out what this new defensive staff can do. But I just feel like almost like the defensive staff is more on the same page. There's just more cohesion. I mean, if you look at it, on the offense, you have a third-year quarterback. You have four returning starters on the offensive line. You have multiple older receivers you know, or guys that have experience with Katie Nixon, Drake London, Taj Washington, guys that have experience. Running backs, you have two senior running backs, Keontae Ingram, Vavai Malapai, and guys that have a little bit of experience as well with Keenan Kristen and Darwin Barlow. The tight end room is stacked. You got a guy that's been the starter for four years now, basically Eric Cromanhook, um, and you know some older guys there with Josh Follow and Jude Wolf and Ethan Ray are you know what third year guys now. So you have a ton of experience. You would look at that on paper and go, that should be the side of the ball that you know should be doing well, should be cohesive, and that's not the case. I think it all starts with the offensive line. And new offensive line coach, and still they're tinkering with it, trying to figure out where they have the best five. Because even though they have four starters returning, we have said all along only one spot is secure. Brett and Elon will be the center on opening day, barring injury. Where will everyone else be? That is up for question, you know, and up for debate. And you know, we're seeing who can play where. I think we've seen. I've been really impressed with the work that Clay McGuire is doing. When I've been able to see him up close, just the constant coaching that he is giving. You know, there there is feedback, there is pointers on nearly every rep that an offensive lineman has in one on one situations, or you know, in the the situations where we saw yesterday where they were doing blitz pickups against safeties. You know, he is constantly coaching the players up, and I think that's. You know, that's all you can ask for out of a position coach coming in new. Now, how much time will it take for that group to come together as one? That's still the big question mark for them. Now, speaking of the other side of the ball, we have already mentioned how USC, its depth for defensive tackles is already shaky, but it's been shakier because of health and safety protocols. We've seen some guys missing and some guys rehabbing a little bit. What have you taken away from guys like Stanley Talafu getting more time in this past week? I think it certainly puts a damper on all that Jamar Sakona stock that I bought because <laughs> it's always about your stock. It's always about the stock. Always be 
pumping the stock. I got to pump it. I'm not going to dump it. I'm just going to pump it. So my return is higher. But it is disappointing or it's, 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 I would say a little bit of a setback just to have a guy like Jamar uh, out with the health and safety protocols just because it looked like those first couple practices he was operating as the number one uh, defensive tackle. And obviously that's a position that is a little light on experience. So you want all those reps to be going to, you know, the guy you think is going to be, Sakona. And then, you know, Stanley has gotten an opportunity to kind of fill in and work that spot. And there's been some rotation. Like I said, I've, I, we've talked about this, the versatility up front of those guys. So we see a lot of switching even right before the play. They switch or they or they come in and out. So, you know, nice to get those guys experience. But it would it is a it is a setback to have Jamar out for what are like five, six practices he, when he needs that experience. He needs to get on the same page with those guys. That's something he talked about where he wants to be more vocal. He needs to make sure when he's in that defensive tackle spot that he, the guys up front trust him, the linebackers trust him, that he knows his keys. Everyone is in the right position. So, you know, that's valuable experience they're not getting at that position with him out. Yeah, I definitely think the more reps you can get young guys, the better. Um, you know, and, and especially when you're going to need them to contribute right away. So who's going to take that that spot? That's still a big question. I think Stanley has done a really nice job. He had a sack in you know Monday's team periods that we saw. Uh, so you know, can Jamar jump back into the the mix? Is Kobe you know Pepe ready to you know battle for that starting position? You know, obviously he's still I think he's still a little bit hampered by the shoulder injury that he had in the spring. You know that thing's wrapped up every single day. So you know, what can we see Ishmael Sopcher? You know, we haven't seen him at practice the last couple of days. So uh, is he going to be back? When is he going to be back? Is he going to be available for the beginning of the season? That's a big question. You know, they've already lost a couple guys in different spots. It's a couple of season-ending injuries, Adonis Ote, uh, Britton Allen. Sounds like Malcolm Epps is probably questionable for the start of the season. Yeah, Ishmael Sopcher is more important than all those guys because of the lack of depth at that position, lack of experience as well. If they can get him back and get him in the mix, that makes them even, you know, an even more dangerous defensive line because we know what those pass rushers on the outside can do, and they've been doing it a lot so far. You know, Nick Figueroa and Drake Jackson. Drake Jackson just getting back, getting caught up, should be in full pads, I believe, tomorrow, maybe today, maybe tomorrow. Um, but both those guys have been getting the backfield with consistency, and that's what we expect from them versus any offensive line including USC's offensive line. Even if Ish isn't starting, he's still incredibly valuable for this this defense. Mm -hmm. Even if Jamar's a starter and you can bring in Ish, work him back in, maybe like 20 snaps a game or something, that's still incredibly valuable. Let Stanley handle the rest or Kobe handle the rest, but they just need more depth there, and, and a body like Ish would be incredible, incredibly welcomed for, for this unit right now. Shotgun, you mentioned Drake Jackson. He's almost fully back due to the acclimatization period stuff. But Corey Foreman actually took a step backward on Monday. Health and study has a groin strain, I believe. And so he was limited. He was mostly on a bike. He was fully dressed out, but didn't participate in team periods. But he was attached at the hip to Vixa Oto and Drake London, or excuse me, Drake Jackson, um, during the team periods, trying to learn as much as he can. What do you see at that outside linebacker position when you have Drake and... Corey kind of in and out right now I mean you want to get those guys healthy because they can be a dynamic duo I think with Drake not able to participate in the scrimmage I think one of the guys that was a standout was Corey 
Uh, Corey Foreman had, you know, was in the backfield with, with some regularity on, on pass rush situations. He had a batted ball that ended up still being a catch. Uh, nice job by Lake McCree going up to get a tip ball up in the air. But uh, Chris, I think you saw Corey on that play, and you you just kept going. He jumped so high, so high, so it's high. The air he got. Just what is that supposed to be? Me? Yeah. Childlike. <laughs> Childlike wonder. Childlike um, uh, innocence yes. in my voice. Yeah. yeah, he got so high. He was like he literally seven sounded feet like that. in the air. I can't believe no one saw it. It looked like a nine-foot person playing defensive end. It was incredible. <laughs> I wish there was a video. I hope there's a video. And I don't even know if he actually tapped that ball. But maybe he hit a helmet. Yeah, I don't know. Hit, so high. Maybe Miller was like, oh, my gosh. This is terrifying. Like a tidal wave <laughs> of foreman just coming at me. But we're just so close to seeing them together. They haven't been on the field together. Yeah, we're just true. so close. And so close. And that's something that I think that is important for for them to both get healthy enough to be able to practice so the coaches can find out what exactly does it look like when we put the, both those guys in there together. Is there a deficiency because they're so aggressive up the field? Does that create some you know rush lanes um, for the offense? You, I think you need to see that before you get to the first game and they, you know, attack really hard on one play, and the offense coordinator on the other side goes, "Okay, let's try this," and you're able to attack them in a different way that you weren't expecting because you haven't had a chance to play them together. So I think it's good to for Corey to be in there and getting some time with the first team, some second team reps. He has been getting a ton of reps recently because they've been so thin on the defense line. I think they had six guys that were healthy at one point. Uh, it was either on. Uh, Friday or Saturday, uh, I don't remember exactly, but they were available to to participate in full like contact drills. They only had like six guys available, so they were rotating a bunch of guys. I think they had eight total. Some guys that were able to do some individual work, but not full team stuff. So Corey's been getting a ton of reps, and I think they backed him away because he's had this growing injury, and it sounded like it was something that had been bothering him a little bit last week. Um, and I think that they just want to. Be cautious. All right, we're getting Drake back. You know, we've got enough bodies that we're not, you know, just relying on walk-ons in there, which I don't even think they have any walk-ons, the defensive tackle or defensive line positions, um, but that they feel like they have enough guys to go through practice and, like, let's just pull it back a little bit. Let's get him healthy because there's going to be several uh, full pad practices this week, and then they want him to be available for a Saturday scrimmage because he needs all those live-action reps as possible as well. Interesting observation. You don't see a lot of walk-on defensive linemen. Why is that? Why is that? Big-bodied. Drake looked fantastic, by the way, at times mm-hmm. on Monday. There was he does that thing where he just like randomly decides to take over an entire series. <laughs> he did that in the spring, and he did that on spring Monday, game. where just like four plays, just given every tackle he wanted, just like the business. And we kind of debated about how many sacks he had in that period. I say he had two with at least two pressures. Shotgun, Shotgun is, is very stingy. He's very reluctant to give a sack. Because guys get pressures all the time, and they can't get the quarterback down. So I think that it takes a little bit more than, hey, you tapped him on the hip as you were running by you know, on a pass rush for me to consider it a sack. Because you've seen guys like, how many times did USC have a chance to sack Grant Gunnell in that Arizona game, and how many sacks did they actually get? There's a big difference between getting to the quarterback and sacking the quarterback. Look, all I'm saying is that you know we had a great view of that 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 series Drake took over, mm-hmm. and you know it just it just reminded me of a young 
you know, Senor Sack out there. You know, it just <laughs> there is a visual oh, bit oh happening gosh. right now. It just you know reminded me of my glory days. He just unzipped a sweatshirt and is revealing. You got a jersey that says it, or were you actually Senor Sack? No, I'm actually Senor Sack. I don't know what this is. I'm not who Wait, I am. Wait, hold on. Please, please show this again. I want to get the full picture. Turning around now. <laughs> <laughs> There's no Inye, so you're just Senor Sack. Yeah, white people made this jersey, so what do you want from me? <laughs> okay. Just put a disclaimer or like a Sharpie on top of it. I'm not selling this jersey with a Sharpie. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, but all I'm no saying, selling. it just felt like when I was watching my tape, you know, just. So are you trying to pitch yourself as a walk-on defensive lineman? I have is eligibility. That what this, is that I, what this just, whole bit is about? I thought that was a little sketchy. He was very intense about walk-on <laughs> defensive You know, linemen. I just, I still have some rain. <laughs> Chris is now limbering up in the stretching. office. That wasn't great that his shoulder <laughs> popped. It's still popping. But I think I still have the... <laughs> Doing moves. Swim moves with the mic. Look, all I'm saying is I'm ready. <laughs> if you need two PG County Beach Boys anchoring that defensive line, I'm here. Chris, just a quick question. What's your yeah, height yeah. and weight right yeah. now? You know, it's I'm in the middle of camp, so you drop weight during <laughs> camp. Um, but I'm like with the cleats on, I'm a solid like five, nine and a half. <laughs> Weight wise, like I said, I'm. I, you drop during weight. Everyone knows that you drop during camp. I'm about like 160. I want to be at like 180. You know, that, that's not quite size. short and stocky gang. Not quite. That's I'm, like I'm, medium I'm, and the gang. I'm a, I'm a tweener. <laughs> but but my size never defined me. My my strike never defined me. It's the speed. You know, you, you guys didn't even see that happening. It's the speed. Look look guys, just hold your eyes open. Just don't. See that? See that? You look like you're swatting a fly. Like it's not very swim movie. I don't want to. I don't want to break this thing. You know, I don't want the because when mic stand. Because if you don't have this, if you don't have the the pure strength, but when you have the pure speed, that force, that's enough strength to like snap a steel blade in half. You know, <laughs> you just have to be ready. Like someone's been watching too many superhero movies it's like someone's not been watching enough superhero movies yeah, yeah. Shotgun, yeah. You just you, uh, for that settle one. that settle down that settle down that over there <laughs> back to drake jackson or send your sack what you mentioned you talked about four plays that he made and four play is the right word because that's what it kind of feels like with with drake jackson it's been a big tease we've seen these these stretches where you just see him be dominant he needs to put it together, be consistent. We didn't see that last season. You know, maybe it's new defense, different weight that he was playing at. We've seen these little pieces that make you go, oh, I, I see the potential. The talk of people talking about, oh, first round pick, top 10 pick. You see those flashes. Now, can we see the consistency where he is just a, you know, just a hellion on the edge coming off and offenses have to game plan specifically for him? Opens things up for Nick Figueroa, opens things up for Corey Foreman. And then suddenly, you know, you have multiple guys that are getting in the backfield, and that, is, as we talked about in the past, is how you get sacks. Multiple guys have to get there. It can't just be one guy, you know, that gets by because then the quarterback steps up and whatnot. So, you know, can he find that gear, that ability to dominate on a consistent basis rather than it being, like you said, it, it feels like sometimes he just decides, like, I'm going to take over right now. But can he do that in a game and have that be, I'm going to take over the first quarter, the second quarter, the third quarter, the fourth quarter. I'm going to make life hell for you coming off the edge. 
for whichever offensive tackle he's lined up against. We mentioned last week it's a three-man race at inside linebacker right now, Raylan Goforth, Kanai Malga, and Raymond Scott. We saw some work from Solomon Tuyalapupu last week, but it looks like he's back kind of in the rehab crew, still doing individual work. Have you noticed any separation there? I mean, personally, me just watching it, I feel like Raymond Scott maybe has a little bit of, I don't want to say lead, but just like maybe a little bit more edge in that competition with Kanai Mauga. I think that looks like to me, that's what it's shaping up to be. You know, I can't like, I have no like official stats on that, like tracking who gets how many plays with the in there in the switching. It just seems like there hasn't been as much switching. And I feel like, because like in the first week it was like even in the middle of a play they were they were swapping in. Now it seems more like series. So I just think Raymond brings a more sideline to sideline presence, which is kind of perfect for this defense just because of his versatility and his athleticism. And he's a freaking tackling machine. So I mean, I just feel like maybe Raymond has a little bit of the edge right now. I don't know what you guys are seeing or feeling. On who? Who do you think he's going to be paired with? Uh, Kanai. With Kanai. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I think that Raymond is getting more opportunities than, than Raylan has so far. Um, and, and that's a little bit surprising to me, honestly, because we know Raylan has a, a ton of athleticism as well as a former safety in high school uh, to start his career. So I'm surprised he hasn't taken a bigger step forward to kind of lock down one of those spots. So, you know, it's been a good battle, and I think it's going to be a, one of those that maybe is, as Clay Helton mentioned on, on Monday after practice, he said this week is going to be the most physical. He also said it's going to help us define a lot of roles, and I think the inside linebacker position is one that they would like to get settled after the second scrimmage and get you know get going the last two weeks of you know prep for the San Jose State game is to have uh, the defense kind of locked in who's going to be the starters. The one position, he, he mentioned a couple different positions where there will be battles. The one position he said that may continue on beyond past the second scrimmage is the offensive tackles uh, and you know that they're bouncing back and forth with those guys, but the other spots, and especially on the defensive side, I think they want to get those locked in after the second scrimmage. So huge week for that competition. And we'll see wh- which of those guys continue to make plays. Kanai is a guy that's been, you know, been, been involved in the run game and had some big hits and stuff throughout fall camp. But you know, none of those guys has really popped and made a big interception or knocked a ball out. Uh, to where you go, oh, you know, they're creating turnovers as well. And I think that's something that Todd Orlando definitely wants out of his linebackers too. We haven't seen much of Chris Steele because he has been feeling under the weather. And according to USC's policies, unless you have a negative COVID test, if you have any symptoms, you cannot be a part of team activities. And then Isaac Taylor Stewart came back from paternity leave, but then has a bruise on his knee. So he's expected back later this week but we didn't see him on Saturday or on Monday are those two guys where you're like okay even though they are out and they're missing some time they are going to be the two starters come September I mean I still think they'll be the starters but if you talk to Dante he says guys need to be out there they need to be practicing they got to earn their spot every day Um, so it's not going to be just what have you done in the past is going to you know set those guys up they're the two older guys so they're going to be just no I think that they got to get out there and prove themselves so um, I think Chris Steele's made some nice plays, but Drake London has also got the best of him, which Drake London will do to pretty much any cornerback at times as well. Uh, Isaac Taylor Stewart, I thought the times he's been in there has been really good, you know, especially attacking on down, attacking downhill on short passes 
uh, and breaking up some some screens and you know blowing up some things like that, some hitches. But he hasn't been out there much, so that's a, a still a big question mark. And I think I'm still expecting big things out of him. But he needs to get out there and get that get those reps in uh, as well. You know, in this defense and you know being able to know where the safety is going to be and all those type of things, so that you know when you're in zone coverage and whatnot, you you have a good feel of everything. There's not a broken coverage and. And everyone's screaming from the P. This guy's terrible because every cornerback is terrible, according to the P. <laughs> Throughout their career, you know, Adoree Jackson was terrible during his sophomore year, according to the P. I agree with Shotgun. You know, nothing has changed my opinion that or my mind that Chris Steele or Isaac Taylor Stewart are not going to be, you know, Dante Williams' top two options out there at cornerback. But I will say, I think Josh Jackson has had a really nice camp, and I think mm-hmm. he's push to at least get in the rotation, get some reps this year, because I think he's been very, very effective going back to the spring. Obviously, he was a breakout there. And I think he's kind of continued that on uh, this in, in this fall camp, and he's gotten a lot of opportunity with the ones, so he's, he's, getting com- he's really comfortable out there. Yeah, I think both Chris Steele and Isaac Taylor Stewart, by being out, are opening the door for Josh Jackson to take some of the reps, and he's doing a good job of continuing to – you know, do all the things that Dante Williams is asking of him and, you know, be consistent. I think that's the, the biggest thing for him is to get all those reps that he can, gobble up as many as possible during fall camp and, you know, especially with the ones. And a guy that I think is intriguing, Sierra Wright, has had some nice practices. Uh, he's, you know, he's been beat at times, which is what you expect out of a freshman, but he's also had an interception and, you know, made some nice tackles for loss and, and whatnot. Uh, so I think he's a guy to keep an eye on. If he continues to progress, he could be a guy that could earn his way into, uh, you know, some some reps and some opportunities with the ones as well. I don't know why we went position by position on the defense, but we did. So to finish off safeties, I think we all agree. Again, Isaiah Pulamau has a spot locked up. Um, Shogun, you noticed in the drill we saw on Monday the tackles versus the safeties blitzing. Chris Thompson was pretty fiery. Yeah, the Auburn transfer has been a guy that has produced some big pops, you know, in the run game. And seeing him come off the edge in that type of drill, he was able to get the quarterback multiple times against different tackles. He's a guy that I think could be a weapon used down in the box, used in different ways than maybe you would use an Isaiah Polamau, or maybe different than you would use Chase Williams. So I don't know that he's going to lock up a starting role. Maybe he still could. But I think that he's a guy that is earning an opportunity to be used in some specific packages based on you know uh, the teams they're playing and you know the formations and, and down and distance type of thing that that USC's defense will face. So he's a guy to, that I'm keeping an eye on. He's got a big frame, six two, two twenty, two twenty five, um, and he he's not afraid to go in there and hit somebody. So that that's something you like to see. You know, a transfer coming in, he's made an impact I think quicker than Xavier Alford has done. Uh, it w- did in the spring at least. And I think Xavier Alford is a guy who's taken some steps and moving forward as well. So I think that the safety battle is one of the ones that's still the more intriguing. Right now, I still see those three veteran guys, Isaiah Polmau, Greg Johnson, and and Chase Williams. But Kalen Bullock continues to get a ton of reps with the, the, with the ones. You know, Whenever someone's out, he's the guy that's in there. He's getting some reps over some guys at times. So I think that he is still making some freshman mistakes, as is to be expected. But he's also making a ton of plays, and he's super rangy. He's he you know can go sideline to sideline. He can go from you know from 
goal line to goal line even. I mean, he, he's got terrific athleticism. He's continuing to work on his body and get stronger, and hopefully you know, he doesn't get banged up. That's been an issue for him a little bit so far. He had a hip, hip pointer, it seemed like. It kept him out a couple practices, but back in there and, and continuing to, to make some plays and, and getting, getting more and more opportunities as the camp has progressed. I'm going to eat crow on the Kalen Bullock because I had him in my initial like impact ratings for the freshman. I had him like as a one, which is like take time to develop, take the red shirt. But he is, you know, proven a lot of people wrong. Just, you know, I still think he's a little too skinny a little bit, needs to put on some weight. And, you know, that's going to be maybe a concern in the season if he's in. You know, will he hold up against a big Stanford offensive lineman coming down? But we'll see. But he has he has impressed uh, in fall camp earning a lot of opportunity, like you said, super rangy, super great ball skills. You know, he's going to be a really good one uh, down the line. Um, and, yeah, like you said, the that second safety position still up in the air. You know, Xavion Alford has really started to push a little bit more than he did in the spring. And Craig Narvar said, you know, that he does have a little bit of leg up on Chris Thompson just because he got a spring in. So mm-hmm. we're seeing those guys get more and more comfortable. So definitely still a competition for that with Chase Williams. Yeah, I definitely think so. And and you mentioned Kalen Bullock. His body type reminds me a lot of Isaiah Polmau when he first got to USC. Isaiah Polmau was 6'4", pretty skinny as well, could move and make a lot of plays. However, took the big hit from Rojo, Ronald Jones, that that you know injured him and set him out for his, his true freshman year, I believe it was. And then his second year, first game against Stanford, his first game against Stanford, takes a big hit from a tight end and – injures the shoulder again so those are the you know that's the type of concern with Kalen Bullock until he adds some more muscle mass to have a similar frame that what Isaiah Pullman has now there's still going to be a concern about you know the potential of, of a big hit you know injuring himself as he hits someone as well and quick shout out to Jalen Smith who I think has had a really nice yep. fall camp he's always he at least has one really good player nice really cover nice coverage in practice he's pretty much been he's gotten a lot of second team reps just because Kalen has been had a lot of first team reps, so he's getting opportunities and he's kind of jumped everyone else. Some of the older uh, nickel people or like, you know, Anthony Beavers or Examarion Gordon, who were here in the spring, he's kind of seemingly leaped them. You know, he's a a heck of a competitor. We always see him Mm -hmm. maybe gets a little mad sometimes when he (laughs) he gives up a play, giving a little extra shove or, you know, frustration. So he's a dog out there and, you know, he's doing some really nice things in fall. Yeah, he was another guy in that that pass rush drill against the offensive tackles that he's just too quick for them. And, you know, those are the type players you you can be really quick, but as soon as an offensive lineman gets their hands on you, you're in trouble. They really struggled to get their hands on him. You know, he he was able to get to the quarterback multiple times, created a couple of fumble or quote-unquote fumbles uh, from the grad assistant standing with the ball and then scoop and score going the other direction so and when he didn't win a rep you see the competitiveness it's just constant every time you see him out there whether it's one-on-ones in that type of situation or one-on-ones against a receiver if he loses he's he's mad about it and he takes it to heart and you know he tries to come back the next rep even harder than he did the the previous one so those are the type of players that make a team you know they they create the culture of a team, and only as a f- true freshman right now, he's a guy that I think you'll see on special teams. I think I don't know where he falls as far as getting some safety reps, but on special teams, I think he's going to be a maven for them. You know, for for Sean Snyder being able to chase punts, chase you know kickoffs, and going and attacking and being aggressive, and I think that he's going to make a make a name for himself there, and that'll only continue to to build his confidence as he works to get some of those safety reps as well. 
Well, you mentioned special teams, so I'm going to take that transition. Do it. Well, I can. We can't report specific stats, so I guess I'll just say that Parker Lewis didn't have the greatest day on Saturday in the Coliseum. Is there any concern there with the consistency? I defer to the kicker. I wouldn't say right now. I mean, maybe he's working on a new hitch in his swing or something like that. I, I'm not like overly concerned because he looked pretty good in the uh, in the fall camp practice we had. But they did field goal and he made the majority of his kicks. Maybe just the Coliseum a little bit open. Obviously, that's a little bit concerned because that is where he will be playing, not on Howard Jones Field. So you want to see him make those kicks out in the Coliseum. But I was a little more surprised that he did not connect well on some of the longer kicks they attempted because that seemed to be his bread and butter when he first got here, that maybe he would have an inconsistent kick, but he would always seem to hit his big ones, his 52-yarders or his 55-yarders. So still has the leg, just the accuracy still a little bit a little bit off. As a non-kicker, I am always concerned when a kicker is missing kicks. Sure, so, sure. Um, because... You have one job to do. You're used so infrequently. If you're not doing your job well in practice, it can get mental. You know the potential of the yips. Um, you know he's got a strong leg, obviously, and we'll see if he bounces back from it. But yeah, he didn't have a good day on Saturday, but he wasn't the only one. I want to see Dennis Lynch kick, <laughs> not to like compete for the starting job or whatever. I just want to see him kick. Just just let him go. Let him rip it. <laughs> Give him one fifty-five yarder. I'm sure with the NIL, you can pay for that if you'd really like. I guess. <laughs> I could. Could he? It's like a cameo. Like, I just want to, you know, come out and watch you kick. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> Dennis, if you're listening, let's do it. We also saw some pairings for returners for kickoff return. We saw Katie Nixon and Taj Washington. And then we saw uh, Keenan Kirsten and Brandon Campbell. As far as punt return, we saw Katie Nixon and Michael Jackson. And then as we saw with kickoff return, we saw... Taj Washington and Katie Nixon. Thoughts there. Obviously, Gary Bryant is not healthy, and he figures to be a guy that would be out there. But, I mean, at this point, can you really pencil him in, given that his health is not a a certainty? I mean, that's been a question for me for a a while with Gary Bryant, because he seems to get banged up in each camp, each each season. Um, So that's definitely a concern. But it's hard to make anything of the pairings or you know who's out there and getting the first kickoff reps when Gary Bryant's not available and you know Keontae Ingram is another guy we've seen doing some returns as well also not available so hard to say who would be you know predict who would be the starter right now on opening day because a couple of the guys that think are going to be in the mix at least you know aren't you know participating in practice right now yeah it's really hard to tell without GB Gary Banana Jr. out there. It's really hard. Um, sorry, Gary Bryant Jr. Um, so, you know, you hope he's healthy because he's a game changer. Um, can't make the club in the tub, as they like to say. So a lot of interesting pairings, but it's not going to really tell me anything until I see where, where Gary is, if he's back out there or when he is. And he did some light punt fielding on Monday, which is a nice sign. So... I think Clay Helton said he was close uh, to getting back. I don't didn't sound like he was close as Darwin Barlow, which was like a he week. He said he was progressing, right? Which yeah. is the good vague. news is that 
both he and Keontae Ingram and Darren Barlow seem like they will all be back soon. Keontae Ingram by the end of the week. Um, you know, Gary Bryant, I think, will be back by the end of the week. Clay Hilton said he's progressing. And Darwin Barlow, he said, will be back next week and possibly by the end of this week. So I think and it's important for those guys to get back, especially those running backs, because this is you know the most physical week. They need to be in there and, and taking some of those hits and seeing where the holes are going to be and those type of things and how the linemen block when, you know, when it's live action. So I, I think it's big for those guys to get back. But the good news is those three guys, it seemed like, are getting healthy and should be back for too long. Well, you're just giving me another transition shotgun. Of course. That's what I'm here for. Oh, well done. Uh, this is going to be a big week for evaluation. Like you said, shotgun, the two deep, is going to try and get settled out in this week. What are your expectations for this week? Do you What do you think will be settled? And, I mean, any final thoughts before we go into questions? Well, it's supposed to be the most physical week. Let's see if that holds up to be true. Maybe a Trojan drill somewhere in there. I don't know. Maybe we'll see. Uh I know that the P is going to be ready to jump on anything that's not physical this week. Any signs of popsicles? It's going to be meltdown. On the For the P. record, they are Powerade popsicles. I, remember, I don't know if that helps. I mean, Jalen McKenzie was asked about it, and he was like, we're not getting pampered out here. They're Powerade, so they don't taste that good. <laughs> They're for them to get their electrolytes back. And what better way than a popsicle form? I don't know why the media doesn't get any popsicles. That's a different discussion. I would love a popsicle. I need some electrolytes. <laughs> yeah, we've had people cramping up in the in the media pen, um, but no, I think the expectation this week is a physical week. Um, and and if it was coming off Saturday and you asked me that question, I'd, and we'd heard the same thing from Clay Helton without seeing Monday's practice, I'd be very skeptical. But I was really impressed with the way that they bounced back on Monday and, like we said, switched some things up. Realized that there were some deficiencies, went and tried to attack it in a different way. Uh, so I, I think that's a positive. So I think that they can continue that throughout the week. The thing that – what positions do you think are going to be settled? Chris, I don't know what your thoughts are, but I feel like from what Clay Helton said, sounds like they want to get pretty much everything settled if possible. I mean, that's always the case. But I, I think they feel like they can get everything settled except for maybe the offense tackles. Yeah, I think – I mean – the the couple that he mentioned was like getting the, the wide receiver rotation out. So maybe mm-hmm. they're trying to figure out those those starters there. You know, a lot of mixing with the tight ends. Epps has been out, but probably have those two settled, even though that one's not like a super, I guess, competitive uh, open competition going on. You know, the linebackers, I, I assume, will have those settled out. Um, defensive line seems pretty set. Um, hopefully get Jamar back into the mix. We'll see there. And then, you know, the safety is obviously the big one. Is Alfred going to push Chase Williams out of there? Will Chase hold on, or will Chris Thompson make a make a last uh, minute, last week push to kind of to to get that spot? So, yeah, I think the big one is the linebackers. I think that's the biggest one, the biggest one to keep an eye on that we think will be settled on the other side of the ball. The offense tackles is the the main thing for this team going forward. But because we don't know if that one's going to be settled, the linebackers, Raymond Scott, is he locking in his spot? Can Raylan go forth, get back in the mix? Does Kanai make sure that he locks down a spot? Uh, does Solomon Tulalapupu come back, get healthy? That's more than actually getting in and competing for the position. Just seeing him out there in team periods would be really nice. Uh, but do we see any of those young guys in that group kind of push forward? Because it really is a big drop-off from those three that we talked about, a linebacker, to anyone else. Can someone kind of step up and get into that mix and 
you know, kind of lock in, can Rajon Davis lock in his spot as the second team guy and then get some rotational reps or something like that? I think that'll be interesting. But yeah, the biggest the biggest one is the linebackers, and the biggest question mark I think still going forward will be the offense tackles and maybe where the entire line ends up because depending on the tackles, the line could change a lot. I think. Yeah, I'm really curious about the timing of it because Helton, like you said, made it sound like it could bleed over past this week. But then when I talked to McGuire, it sounded like he recognized the the importance of establishing chemistry. And to do so, you have to get that settled out sooner rather than later. So how that shakes out, I'm, I'm curious to see. I mean, the one thing is it they've given a ton of reps in different looks. So everyone's getting to work with the guy beside them in different opportunities. So it's not like they're going to be making a switch at the last second. It's like this guy's completely new to everyone beside him. Sure. But I just think having your starting five together is important. True. All righty, let's jump into some questions. First one is JP, and he actually has multiple. First one says, biggest pleasant surprises in fall camp? I think Kyle Ford constitutes as a pleasant surprise just because we did not know what he was going to look like after maybe his mobility didn't look all that great in spring, but he's been, I would say, one of the more consistent guys outside of Drake London. I know uh, John Jackson got some of that praise for you, but I think Kyle Ford is up there too. seems like he's always getting a big play. Uh, every practice so I think he would be one of my pleasant surprises I agree with that and I would probably say Jonah Monheim I thought he was further back than what he's kind of showing I'm not saying we have a question later on that says that he's balling out I wouldn't necessarily agree with that but I do think that he was a surprise the biggest surprise so far is that the variety of practice plans and continuing that um, even after Clay Helton said, yeah, we want to get in that routine, but we've seen different drills and just some small adjustments to things and then making the switch on Monday to eliminate 7-on-7 seven seven and do more team, I think that's a big surprise for me and a pleasant surprise to, to see them do that. And then individually, Raymond Scott. I think Raymond Scott is a guy that I didn't think was going to be in that competition, that linebacker, and looks like he's you know a front runner to lock down one of those spots. So you know, great to see because he's a guy that you know we've been rooting for because he just hasn't really gotten an opportunity, but always been a playmaker whenever we've seen him from his Narbonne days to, to now. So he's been a pleasant surprise as well. I think Kalen Bullock also applies there. We already talked about him. But I think also Giuliano Falanico, for me, has also been a good guy, a guy on defense. You know, he doesn't always get the shine. You know, he was injured last year. This year this year in fall camp, he's getting a lot of reps just with Drake out. He's been working a lot uh, in that second team, but has has snuck in with the first team a couple times, and you know he's just a bat out of hell off the edge sometimes, and he's very physical. He's probably the one guy that's taken advantage of injuries the most because of the injuries to or the acclimation period for Drake Jackson being held out, and then Corey Foreman. Now he's making the most of those. He had a sack in the, the scrimmage. He had mul- he was in multiple times on tackles for loss. So he's a guy. He's a veteran guy that hasn't gotten much run. He's been a special teams guy, but. Last year at the end of the year, when he got some opportunities in pass rush situations, he was you know getting some pressure on the quarterback as well. So he's a guy to keep an eye on. You know, Can he steal some reps from some other guys as well? I just want to say I put stock on Falonico last episode. So welcome to the club, y'all. That's all I got to say. All I got to say. It's true. Boo. It's true. <laughs> JP also has another question for us, and he says, Can USC really put McKenzie at left tackle instead of Monheim, who is balling out? I don't think you're going to see McKenzie at left tackle. Um, 
they've talked about him being in that competition, but we never really see it. Yeah, and, uh, it's weird that they keep throwing his name in there. Now maybe they're just referencing the tackle positions and saying, "Oh, he's in the mix for a tackle position," because that's the way it sounds like McGuire's kind of looking at it. You know, when he's talked about his backups and you know finding eight guys, basically. He's talked about, hey, we need, you know, and that's the thing with Cortland Ford and Jonah Monheim both playing left and right tackle, first team and second team. He says, well, you know, we got to find the guy that can be the replacement tackle. So whoever the third guy is, the guy that's out of the mix, will be the backup at both of those spots rather than having, you know, sp- position specific backups. There's going to be a tackle backup, there's going to be a guard backup. The guard backup will be Dedich. The swing um, tackle. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think that that's. I don't think McKenzie's a guy that's going to be at left tackle. We just haven't seen it. Will he be the guy at right tackle? That becomes the question now after seeing yesterday's practice and something we'll be watching throughout the week, as we said. Uh, but Monheim and Ford, I thought Ford had probably his best day yesterday that we've seen. You know, he just he was really good in the the blitz drill with the safeties, just showing his mobility, his his ability to move quickly to the outside and pick up those edge rushers that are really quick better than some of the other players. And Monheim has, has been a guy that continues to impress. You know, he's a guy like, that we said multiple times that I thought coming out of high school he's an interior guy, but he just continues to, to make strides at the tackle position. He's showing good mobility and showing good athleticism on the edge. Which one of those guys will be at the left tackle spot? Question mark. Will one of them take Jalen McKenzie's spot at the right tackle spot? I think Jalen McKenzie's had a pretty good camp as well. So, you know, he's not a guy that, that you look at and go – yeah, he's he's gonna get beat this play. You know, there's guys that we point out and like, all right, I'm gonna watch I'm gonna watch Drake Jackson and watch him beat this guy. But that's not been the case with, with Jalen McKenzie this year. Uh whereas in the past maybe that was the case. You know, I just feel like he's taken a step forward and some of the things that he's talked about, you know, in his conversation and some of the things that Clay McGuire talked about with the string staff helping open up his hips and you know, because he was a little stiff before and some of the things that they've done, I think that he's taken a step forward as well. It's hard to throw the balling out tag on offensive linemen yeah that's a position for like a running back or a wide receiver or even a punter you know but i wouldn't say balling out punter (laughs) i was hoping no one would catch that but i'm not allowed to talk about punters so continue (laughs) i don't know if balling out is the right word for jonah monheim but or phrase but i feel like he has had a really strong fall camp and i think he has been impressive there is a podcast that would probably deem jonah monheim as stock up hmm Balling mm. out is reserved for like Tristan Wirfs against USC in the right. Holiday Bowl, getting outside and just destroying people. One arm slamming people down. That's that's balling out for offensive linemen. Yeah, you have to be really dominant to be balling out as an offensive lineman because you just don't get a lot of opportunities for that. We got a question from Chris who says, "How's the depth looking for the DB group overall with Brent Allen and Adonis Ote out for the season?" Perfectly fine because you got Dante and Craig Nivar have been recruiting like madmen, so they've gotten bodies on bodies on bodies of talented players there. Yeah, Adonis was kind of like the fifth defensive back or a cornerback, so that's not really a massive blow. And then Allen was mixing in a little bit, but I think it was more so on the third team, so not not exactly a massive blow. But you hate to see guys get injured. Mm-hmm. And in case we haven't mentioned it yet, Brent Allen out for the season with the ACL injury. He will undergo season-ending surgery. And Adonis Ote broke a bone in his wrist and underwent surgery last week. So he will be out for the majority of the season. Helton didn't say season-ending, but it's likely it will be that. 
We got a question from Cass who says, on paper and based on what you've seen in practice, is this team better, worse, or equal to the 2017 USC team? That was Clay Hilton's best team from a win-loss standpoint, and I think he'll have to be at least that good this year to keep his job. I just don't really know how to answer this because it's I'm trying to it's hard to answer just like without on the spot, just like not even thinking about it. Like, let me look through this and let me really break it down. I mean, first impression or first like gut feeling, it's no, they're not. I think the defense might be a little bit more a little better. I don't know. Defense will be better. Offense questions there because you don't have Rojo. You don't have, you know, a, a top three pick in, in Sam Darnold. Um but can Keaton Slovis be better than Sam Darnold? That's not out of the realm of possibility. Is the schedule much easier this year? Definitely. Um, so the offensive line is still a question mark, and you, you know there were veterans on that offensive line, but there were also young guys that got thrown in the mix. Austin Jackson and Andrew Voorhees, as true freshmen, got thrown in because of some injuries and stuff. So will it be young guys that get thrown in this year? Monheim and Ford and those guys? It could be some equal comparisons there. I think that they they can easily be 11 and 3. The schedule is set up for them to be successful. Are they a better team if you just if they played each other? I don't know that that's the case, but they may end up with a better record. That would be so fun. I wish we could somehow engineer that. <laughs> just see like which team. I would say 2017 wins that. But I say it's closer than maybe you think. I love how we morph this into a different question. I like the defensive scheme better. That is a, that is a better question. If they played each other, who's winning? Okay, don't <laughs> What's the diss final on score? Kaz? Kaz, no. Sometimes you need a question to inspire a better one. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> That's my whole life. <laughs> if they played each other, I'm going with 2017. 31. Yay. 24. Nope. I'm going to take special teams. Special teams creates a turnover or has a big play. Which one? 2021 team. Gets the victory. So the score is? Maybe it's 31-27. Maybe it's pretty close. Okay. Wow. Interesting. <laughs> Why'd you stare at me like that? <laughs> he stared at me like, he wanted yeah, take to that. intimidate you with he, his yeah, take. It's like a dog when they pee on <laughs> something I just peed on. Anyway, let's go on to our last question. Which I guess is a suggestion. It's from Dustin who says, After Keeley's glorious takedown of posters hating on Brandon Sosna last week, I got to thinking, do you guys ever mute posters on the peristyle? Maybe some of the ones who dominate every thread with the same unreasonable, uneducated takes over and over again. I just tried it for the first time last week, and it just made my peristyle experience a thousand times better. If you guys are allowed to mute the trolls, I heavily recommend it. It's a delight. I don't think we're allowed to mute the trolls because we have to monitor everyone. Yeah, we have to read and make sure. But... It is definitely highly recommended. If there's someone whose opinion really bothers you or whatnot, then just mute them. Stop letting them bother you every day or stop letting them change your emotional state after you read their comments. Just mute them. Just be like, I don't want to be a part of this. I'm a heavy delete moderator. Like, if I know people are starting things, I'm just going to nuke that whole section. Sorry. Play nice. I think we should implement shadow banning. And if you don't know what shadow banning is, is where you can post as normal, but no one sees your comment. Your <laughs> comment will show up, but only you will see it. No one else will see it. So it makes you think you're still part of it. Wow, that's that's harsh. You know, because that's what they do on Reddit. Yeah. And it's like, can anyone hear me? <laughs> <laughs> Did anyone hear my Helton Sucks comment on this thread about 
the season opener on San Jose State? <laughs> Is anyone listening? <laughs> no, it'd be Helton sucks on the basketball threat. Right. That's a better. I just off the top of my head. Something random, or like track stars did this. Helton sucks. <laughs> U.S. won the uh, U.S.C. won thirty golds at Tokyo Olympics. What does it matter if, until they get rid of Helton? It's like what? Uh, none of these athletes were even in school when Helton was there. For a lot of them, can any of those Olympians play left tackle? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Well, we're finished with questions now. Chrissy T, it's time to toss it over to you. It's time for some take it or leave it. Guys, it's obviously fall camp. And also the eve of the season is on us. So, you know, it's a very tough time for us. It's a grind. So what would you guys say is our most valuable commodity during this time of the year? Am I supposed to go first? I guess. I would either go with sleep or time. Sleep is a good answer, but it's energy. You gotta have energy. You gotta bring the energy every day. Yeah, we need the juice. Shotgun's juice. right on this one. It's almost like he was texted what to say. Maybe, but I just feel like we had that connection, that Helium Boys connection. He knew exactly where I was going and where the where the energy of this post was going. And I feel like I've been kind of hard on you guys the last couple of weeks. So I did this fake corporate sponsor just for you guys. I worked out this deal and we got into the beverage space last Uh-oh. week. So this is just a natural continuation of that as i'd like to thank our no-brainer fake real corporate sponsor for this week and that's monster guys you guys are big monster ambassadors without ever really being official monster ambassadors so this is your opportunity to make a little nil coin off that and for this usc fall season they're coming out with two special new flavors really just for you guys we have the Keeley Void. It's smooth and delicious, but it's the equivalent of Mike Tyson slapping you across the face. <laughs> Side effects include mixing up names, indecisiveness, and extreme random bursts of energy. <laughs> Who doesn't want that in their life? The so next one. What happens if I actually drink that? Because that's... Oh, you're not legally allowed to. Oh, got it. Okay. Because of it's like a time loop coming back on itself. Okay. The next one is the Shotgun Nuke. And we have to legally say it is not FDA approved, but who needs (laughs) approval when you need 12 consecutive all-nighters? It's true. It can also double as survival survival lighter fluid. (laughs) (laughs) So you can write out SOS? Exactly. Take drowsiness out of the equation and leave leave yourself yourself energized self to tackle the days ahead. Monster, they literally taste like elephant piss. But you won't blink for 49 hours. How do you know what that tastes like? Don't ask. <laughs> so thank you to Monster. Guys, I got you some your own special drinks. His doesn't have side effects? His whole life is a side effect. I don't know what to tell you. Let's get into these. Take it or leave staying it. Staying up nine days in a row. Is yeah, I think 12 falling asleep straight. Falling red lights. 12 straight nights up is a, is a side effect. Uh, I got a bunch here, so we're just going to run through these. Let's do it. Uh, USC QB commit Devin Brown will be in five-star contention by the end of the season. Opened his season opener with eight eight touchdowns in the first half. Goodness. uh, For Corner Canyon. She's she's unsure. She had a a Keeley void uh, before coming in here today. (laughs) Guys, take it or leave it. 
he's number 180, I believe, right now. Uh, Greg Biggins said in the offseason, the one thing that was holding him back from being higher is that he doesn't have the tape that other guys have. So I'm, I'm rationally, rationalizing. rationalizing that. Puts up good tape. I'm going to say if he continues on this trajectory, I'm going to take it, given the momentum he gained at Elite 11. If he hadn't have shown out in front of all those 247 guys who decide that, then I would probably leave it. But I think I'm going to go a little risky and take it. I'm bullish. I'll take it. All right. What was that face? Solid. <laughs> solid. Jeez, Keely's making faces at me. <laughs> Sorry, continue. We have some practices under our belt. So it's time for a little bit of future predictions. USC will USC's run game will average at least 100 yards per game in 2021. They were at 97.4 last year. So oh. we're much closer than I expected. I'll take it. I don't want to. I sound like I don't have a choice, but I'm gonna. I'm oh, gonna, she really doesn't want to take it. I'm gonna take it. Oh, okay. I'm take it. You were a, take a pretty easy take on that. Yeah. That's interesting. I think the run game will be at least three yards better. Drake Jackson saying it's his final year, a.k.a. his money year. We held off on talking about this earlier. Wasn't worth putting the unnecessary pressure on himself. Take it. I don't, I don't think you need to put that on yourself ever. You know, you can have that in the back of your mind and know that because, you know, what happens if you slip on the concrete going out to practice and you break your wrist and you miss the season, you know, or whatever, you know, it just, it's unnecessary to put on himself. Now, some players want the extra pressure and I understand that, but I would not, I would not recommend it ever. So I'm with these 18 to 22 year olds, you know? Yep. 18 to 22 year olds. Never know what they're going to do. Yeah. I'm going to take it for what shotgun said. And also I'm always no hype. Don't hype anything. You never know what can happen. So that was kind of where I stood on that. Okay, let's do a little NFL. I'm on Ross St. Brown, turning some heads as a rookie in, in camp. I don't know what it is, but I'm taking it. <laughs> He's going to be the worst <laughs> receiver in the NFL. Shotgun, how could you? Screw it. He will have 1,000 yards as a rookie, which has only happened not that many times. It's how like, many times, It's like Chris? 26 or something. like. It's very hard. the last receiver to do that? Justin Jefferson, maybe? I don't. I'm taking it. I actually had it a thousand. I moved it lower, but then his his abrasiveness made me like, all right. Let's just go for it. Just because I it is really hard for a rookie to get a thousand yards, but he's taking it. So let's go. You see, as long as he stays healthy. I mean, yeah. Goff is the quarterback. Yes, he's got Panay Sewell blocking, so they have some protection. Even though he's a rookie, I'm gonna take it. Seems fun. <laughs> seems fun. He's clearly Good the thought best. Thought process there. <laughs> yeah, seems fun. I'll go with it. He's clearly the best option in Detroit. Yes, last one was Justin just yeah, Justin Jefferson, AJ Brown, Michael Thomas, Amari Cooper. Not many smaller receivers in that mix, but Ra's a different breed. I'm taking it. Finding a clear second weapon at number at the number two receiver is becoming a bigger deal than the than defensive tackle depth. Hmm. I'm going to leave it, but that's an intriguing thought there, Chris. Okay. Fair enough. I am to intrigue. I'm going to leave it, but ask me this again next week. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I will keep it on the the docket. And finally, freshman Miller Moss is looking like 
he has the edge for the backup job. This is hard because the edge is very small, but I will take it as of now. Okay, okay, okay. Because I think he's making better, quicker decisions for himself than he was in the spring. I think he's doing a really good job of stepping up in the pocket, which is something that's going to be necessary with the offensive lines that they're getting in the second and third team reps. Um, And he's doing a good job of reading defenses and finding holes in the defenses and the zone coverages and whatnot. So. I think Jackson Dart mentioned this on instant analysis, but I think he's doing a really good job of identifying the one-on-one matchups and throwing a better deep ball and connecting on some of those deep balls a little bit better than Miller Moss. But I think that Miller's doing a better job of you know reading the defense and finding the, the holes in the zone. So different skill sets there, but I think Miller's slightly ahead right now. But I think that it will ultimately come down to just what the coaches are looking for because those guys are presenting two separate styles. You know, it's not like they're you know the same type of quarterback. They're doing two. They are doing it two different ways. And in that sense, I'm going to take it because I think Miller, for the backup role, is a more stable option. And Dart himself said it. like His play style is more riskier in that sense. And so I think to make the smart decisions as – or make the better decision as a a backup, I think Miller Moss is showing that he's more stable in that sense as of right now. But – USC has been known to, as a starting quarterback, like someone who does risky stuff and takes shots, and they're like, don't ever do that again, but thanks for the touchdown. you know. And Dart is more that option right now. So that's my answer. Okay. Both takes. I thought we had some good ones in there. Thanks to me. <laughs> thank you. On the thank back. you to Monster for sponsoring this week. Uh, pick yourself up. A Keeley Void or a Shotgun Nuke. Do not give it to children. Uh, that is all. A uh, couple fun ones. So let's just run through them. The new Twitter font. I think it's fine. I just hate change. So I don't even know anything about it. So haven't even paid any attention. So I guess so you don't even know it exists. You haven't even like. I've heard rumors of it. What do you mean? You go on Twitter. Just look at it. I haven't paid any attention. He's not observant. Is the font different? I don't yes, know. Yes, it's slightly different. Nope. Don't notice the difference. So he is taking it because he has no other choice because he doesn't even notice it exists. Whatever. I'm going to leave it just because I don't like change. Okay. On apps. Or in life. That too. But we're not trying to get deep here, Shaka. <laughs> Take or leave the statement. Inside the park home runs are underrated. Take. I feel like people appreciate them. Who's... Not look, look, I just gave you a statement. You take it or leave it. So why don't you uh, just chill out before you attack me? <laughs> take, I guess. A robot lawyer. <laughs> the way you said that. What, that's a take or leave? Yeah. What's the Would context? You, well, the context is... Do I have no other options? Somebody invented like an AI app that can get you like talk your way out of parking tickets. And they say it's the the... The preset, not the preset, the the fut- the the precursor, the precursor to robot lawyers. So, would you be defended by a robot lawyer? Are you take or leaving robot lawyers? Take it because it's probably the best I can afford. <laughs> Some point. overworked public robot lawyer <laughs> arguing with shotgun. I would pay to see that. I was about to say, I would really like to see that. I'm going to leave it. Oh, okay. They scare me, and I feel like there'd be like one idiom in court, and it'd be all over from there. And finally, bar crawls. I'm going to leave it on this, 
Because my alcohol tolerance is so high, bar crawls is just like, I feel a little bit of a buzz. Why are we walking now? It's like I can never have a good like state. Right when you get settled, you have to. It's just not great. I'm, I'm a pre-COVID take it. So oh, you yeah. leave it. Yeah. I'm a... And then take it. I mean, I'll do whatever. I like meeting new people. So you pop in the next bar and meet some new people. Suddenly there's... Your bar crawl goes from ten people to thirty-five people. You know that's that's a good night. Shotgun seems shotgun seems like like putting a running quarterback in uh, Oklahoma system. It's just a perfect fit. <laughs> it's a perfect fit for the scheme. You know, you're gonna get plays out of that. Uh, those are my fun ones. So I guess that's and what gets more pathetic each week. Yeah. Don't ask me where I thought of this, but I will off. I'm offering you $10,000 to live in a bounce house on someone's front yard for a whole week. Take Do you it. accept? Oh, is it take or lose? <laughs> and ten thousand. Yeah, I'm doing it. Stipulations are you have to sleep in the bounce house. You can go and do your normal routine, you know, go to practice, go cover practice, come back after a long day, but you have to do everything in the bounce house. Where's the restroom? There is a outhouse, bounce. Okay. The, the but the outhouse is a bounce house as well. <laughs> so it's a bounce house, outhouse, <laughs> and a bounce house like shower, but not like a real shower. It's just a bounce house shower, like like at a campsite. And you have very weak Wi-Fi from the person's lawn you're in. You, it's their <laughs> Wi-Fi signal. You cannot have anyone sleep over or spend the night. It is you solely in the bounce house. Yeah, I'd do it. A week is short. Yeah, take it. <laughs> We're doing take it or leave it. It's not a take it or leave it. It's not a take it or leave it. Except. Yes. You Where's think my money? You think. Yeah, I think I could do it. No <laughs> issue for me. Okay, then what's the least amount of money you do it for? Oh, that's, that's a much different question. Yeah. The surface itself is comfy. Oh, but it gets hot in there. That's a good point. Can I get out of it? Like you had, yeah, a, you I said guess. I had to sleep there. Yeah, you you could you could go like like it, roam around the front yard, or you go to Starbucks and work, or do whatever. Chris. You just have to. I would do this for a dollar. Let's go. We can make it happen for a dollar. <laughs> I could rent a bounce house for a dollar. Instant analysis from the bounce house. Shotgun, what did you see at practice today? Boing, boing, I, th- boing. I think after like three days, you'd hate it. But if I knew that there was an end goal, just like the third day of mind over matter, baby, on the toilet. No. I think it's very reasonable. Okay, then what's the least amount of money? I don't know that answer. 5000 If anyone wants to sponsor our Still do it for bounce do it house it. adventure, please let us know. 2500 Now we're getting debatable. Debatable. <laughs> All right. That wraps it up for me. Congrats, Chris. Great segment for you. All righty, fellas. It is time to wrap it up and go to another practice. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. We'll be back. That's Chris. That's Shotgun. I'm Keely. We'll see y'all next time.